Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Weeping mothers, for we are greatly confused. For death has come into our ghettos to cut off the young men and women from the streets of Philadelphia, New York, L.A., Georgia, Ohio, Florida, Mississippi, and throughout America, South America, the Caribbean islands, Africa, Asia, and all over the world. So return unto me, thus saith Yah, and I will return unto you, O my people. from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary 
because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all that, get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Reggie. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215 253 That's 215-253-7263. The listen-only line, if you don't have computer access, access to a smartphone, iPad, or BlackBerry, tablet, or any other device, is 605-562-3140. That's 605-562-3140. And that access code is 958590 in the pound sign. Again, that access code is 958590 in pound. And in previous weeks, if you choose to participate in the conversation from the conference line, you can do that by hitting star 61 from the conference line. And we'll be able to uh, bring your call in to participate in the conversation. That's star six one from the conference line. We're streaming live at several locations. www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. That's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. You can also go to the timeforawakening.com website. That's www.timeforanawakening.com forward slash time for awakening radio. That's www.timeforawakening.com forward slash time for an awakening radio. And the TuneIn app. Uh, the TuneIn app is a free app, and you can download it to any of your devices, your smartphone, your iPad, your desktop. It's a free app. And in that search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the fr- program live, even into your car. Drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com that's time for an awakening at gmail.com time for an awakening also has a fan page on facebook and that facebook search engine just type in time for an awakening radio program there you always see interesting uh, articles being posted daily by brother edge before you leave that page just hit that like button it's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on facebook time for awakening media has also been launched in your address bar just type in timeforanawakening.com. That's timeforanawakening.com, and it'll take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. There you'll see other interesting blogs, uh, articles, podcasts of the programs that you can download, uh, listen at later times, or even share with your friends. Just make that one of your favorites, timeforanawakening.com. That's timeforanawakening.com. It'll take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. Tonight, we'll be in part two of our discussion with Arthur, or <clears throat> with, excuse me, with Arthur, Scholar of Sovereign Studies and Adjunct Associate Professor of Politi- Political Science at Delaware State University. Ezra Alharon will be joining us for part two of the discussion centering around the new book, The Sovereign Psyche, Chattel Freedom versus Authentic Freedom. We'll be right back to get the conversation started with our special guest after a brief word from our sponsor.
Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Are you one of the million conscious black people who believes that we have the collective wherewithal to affect real economic and political change? If so, band together in solidarity by joining the one million conscious black voters and contributors. Choose leadership that will work for the best interests of black people. We can no longer sit on the sidelines and expect things to change for the better without a significant number of black people playing a pivotal role in that effort. Will you be one of the million that recognizes that black dollars matter? Are you that person who believes it's time to leverage our votes for reciprocity from politicians? If so, then you should join the 1 million conscious black voters and contributors with members in 29 states and growing every day. We encourage you to sign up and help spread the word by sharing our website i am one of the million.com that's i am one of the million.com antiquity to the present our people need to develop a new paradigm it's time for an awakening sundays 7 p.m with your hosts elliot and reggie welcome back to time for an awakening and uh before we Get, up, get started with our special guest this evening. Brother Reg, anything going on in the community that we need to know about? Brother Reg? It's 9-11, brother. Yes. <laughs> okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, sir. I said it's 9-11, 15 years. Never forget. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what's going on today. Uh, I've seen a flag... <laughs> for the police department, NYPD police department, almost like the American flag, uh, under the the American flag, watching this at the games. I just think it's very interesting. The Jewish folks have Mein Kampf, never 
never again. Now we have the 9-11, never forget, but people in Iraq are supposed to forget what has been done to them in their country. People in Syria are supposed to forget what's done in their country. And black folks, we're not supposed to remember the lingering effects and horror that we still day deal with day to day on a daily basis. We're supposed to forget about that. But 9-11, that happened 15 years ago, happened in this, on, in this country, happened domestically on our soil. We're n- never supposed to forget about that, but we're supposed to forget about everything that happened to a black woman, black man, a black child on this soil because we have a black president and all things that happened before him are done away with. It's new things. And I'm not saying this in light of what would have ha- what happened on 9-11 because I've had people that were in the Trade Center that, were, that got out prior to it happening and had to walk the streets, uh, to, you know, to get home over in Jersey. I've known some people that we met that we've had on our program and have come out to our events that lost children and loved ones. So I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying just it's very hypocritical and the hypocrisy that comes with that. Even you had the FOP, uh, the Port Authority FOP, there's a black young man that wants to wear patriotic cleats and they're willing to pay the fine that will be laid down by the NFL if he wears the fine, if, if, if he wears these cleats that are not sanctioned by the NFL. The Seattle Seahawks, the players were supposed to all get on their, either sit down or get on their knee, knees and all of a sudden they changed and they want to do a holding hands, kumbaya, let's get together and unite as one <laughs> celebration on 911. Because we knew there was no way that whole team was going to come together with anything that has to do with black folks in the police department and coming together, black and white teammates on one team, coming together in solidarity, solidarity and relationship to black folks. You better wake up. That's the news. That's what's going on. That's what's on my mind, brother Elliot. <laughs> yeah, well, I got a whole lot, but that's what's on my mind. You know, the more and more we hear different things happen in the news, the more and more our guests and his books are very apropos to what we must deal with now and moving forward. Our special guest this evening, the third book in his trilogy, and I hope it continues. The first book was Pawn Sovereignty, Sharpened Black Perspectives on Americanization, Africa, War, and Reparations. In 2004, the second book, Sovereign Evolutions, Manifest Destiny from Civil Rights to Sovereign Rights, voted one of the best books, best black books of 2009 by Black Hollywood Insider Magazine. And the third book that was released this year, the Sovereign Psyche, Systems of Chattel Freedom versus Self-Authentic Freedom. Our guest tonight, special guest, is author, scholar of sovereign studies and adjunct associate professor of political science at Delaware State University. Brother Ezra Alharon is with us again for part two of our discussion. Brother Ezra, how are you, sir? Hey, good brother Reggie. How you doing? I'm great. (laughs) 
Oh, well, you say, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm here, and Brother Reg is uh, offered his commentary in the beginning. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of starts the conversation, and um, especially uh, with the title of the third book, Chattel Freedom versus Self-Authentic Freedom. When you were on before, we kind of talked about freedom first, mm-hmm. starting in the mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, we've had since I, since you were on with us, we had the the uh, incident with the quarterback from the Forty ers Colin Kaepernick, and the fallout surrounding it, where they mm-hmm. put a mic in several at black athletes' faces, black entertainers, anybody black that had some type of clout on television or in some type of media, they asked him their opinion on what went on or or their feelings on what he did. And it always comes back to you really see the mindset of our people not being free. It's vestiges of, of bonds and shackles still on the minds of our people, not on the wrists and ankles like they were 100, 125 years ago, but mm-hmm. on the minds of our people. Brother Ezra, talk about the necessity. You know, before we talk about even looking at freedom as a reality, we have to first start in the mind. Talk about it from that perspective, and then I'm going to uh, branch into some other questions and, and get Brother Reg in to weigh in on this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks again, uh, Brother Elliot, Brother Reggie. Uh, great to be on. Uh, got a lot of responses and uh, people contacted me from my website from the last show asking questions. So uh, it was a great exchange. And so I thank you for the opportunity and hope to share some more insightful information with the listening audience. The, the Sovereign Psyche, as the title of the book says, reflects uh, the dimensions of thought that must go into freedom. Freedom is something that is organic. A nation is something that is organic, not mechanic. And when you try to make people mechanically fit into a construct, there's always various degrees of of issues and difficulties. And you could look all around the world to see how that happens. Look at the Kurds, attempting to fit the Kurds into the Syrian or the Iranian or the Iraqi or Turkey nationhood. And it's been difficult. It, it, you know, it's a problem spot in the world. And you can go from country to country. In America, it, it's no different. The high ideals of freedom that Jefferson espoused and that's recorded in the Declaration of Independence, all of that's well and fine. It, it's great on paper. But one of the things that I argue is the question of, is Jeffersonian democracy much different in practice than it is on paper? And, of course, the answer is yes. But those differences are things that society tends to run away from in, in, rather than run to as it relates to trying to resolve racism, resolve racial conflicts. It's, it's as though uh, freedom has been proxied for black people. 
and it's uh, like in a, a Jeffersonian democracy comes preassembled in a box. All you have to do is open it up, take it out, and slip right in it, and you should be fine. And if there are difficulties, then the problem points to you, the person who is not fitting to the form of it. So one of the things about the sovereign psyche is that I challenge a lot of the things that are fundamental, that are things that are things that are norms, that we naturally begin to accept as standards. And I question, is it, a, is it really a standard of freedom or is it a norm of another group? And what I would say is that equality could never be realized if group A can superimpose ways upon group B that group A would never accept if group B attempted to do likewise to them. And so we have to recognize that freedom as it was rolled out starting in 1865, it was not a... a mutual merger of two equally liberated people who had agreed to share power. That That's not the construct. And so 2016, you get these uh, extend, extended versions of this same problem where freedom has been proxy or freedom has been superimposed or the pre-assembled construct of Jeffersonian democracy is supposed to fit everyone, like doorknobs coming off of an assembly line. Everyone is supposed to be the same. And then you ought to believe that because you can go to the Internet and look up words and uh, information that that constitutes some level of freedom, <laughs> as though that constitutes some power, when in fact... Uh, the, the way Jeffersonian democracy has been practiced, what I argue throughout is that it's unprincipled and that there are many dishonorable and many uh, ways in which it is practiced that has not been uh, one that you could say relates to all men being quote-unquote equal, whatever that terminology means. You know, in, in, in all three of your books, you discuss a lot of ideals centering around freedom and sovereignty. Mm -hmm. in, in your opinion, and, and, and talk about this from your perspective, uh, a lot of our people have ideas and things that they discuss. But if you look at other people, they develop mechanisms where any of their ideas to advance their civilization or society is cultivated and nurtured. What I'm saying in that question is, talk about the importance, in your opinion, of black people developing think tanks and, and uh, well, for lack of a better term, think tanks or think organizations, groups, mm -hmm. to implement and develop, to develop and implement solutions. Mm-hmm. And... What, that's one of the subjects that I undertake because, as I, as I said, freedom is a moving target that changes with the geopolitical times. Riding in front of a bus uh, in 2016 uh, does not in any way reflect 
freedom as we would know it based on the fact that you have to understand where the rubber for the bus tires come from, where the chromium and metals come for the bus and the, the chassis of the bus and the oil. So you have different responsibilities and different obligations to that you must undertake when you uh, uh, accept or you are uh, trying to, at best, express freedom on the highest level. Because what I say is that there are different pecking orders of power in the world. And in order for you to move up in that pecking order, you have to exert power in some kind of way. In a lot of ways, that power comes through systems and institutions. And the stronger your systems, the stronger your institutions, the more you're going to move up in that pecking order of power. And so where are the black think tanks that can begin to shape a form of freedom that reflects the self-authenticity of black people? You know, where are the Iran corporations or Brookings Institute or Carnegie Foundation or Hoover institutions? You know, uh, 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 these institutions, they're like the spinal cord that erect nations. Mm -hmm. And the end use of the intellect of the people who operate these institutions, the end use must be put towards solving problems and issues that most affect that particular group. We think it's enough to insert black people into existing uh, institutions, and that is symbolic of power, or that is symbolic of having arrived. When I would argue that in many ways, the intellect of those institutions are bent away from solving black problems. And that's why a person like Hillary and Bill Clinton, they could make $153 million. I believe I said that last uh interview just giving speeches they they don't build anything they don't manufacture anything they don't sell anything they give the speeches how could that be because european institutions are well funded and they back their ideals with resources and that's something that we as african people here in america and worldwide must begin to do if we if we ever expect to move up in this pecking order of power because at the heart of freedom, the definition must be power, not integration, not assimilation, because we, we, we see clearly that the mechanicalness of the way we fit into Americanization has resulted in what we, what we see today, that black people must conform to norms of society, otherwise you'll be economically punished. And if that occurs, then what institution is going to come to your rescue? You know, if Kaepernick is let go tomorrow, what institution is going to come to his rescue? And like as you would use the term, the never again policy to show that, hey, there are legitimate issues as to why the Star Spangled Banner is in conflict with the inherent self-authenticity of black people, a legitimate reason that one can look at easily in sight. But when the relationship is mechanical, then you get the kind of results that we get in, in America. And that's something that has to be looked at if we're truly going to say 
this is a place of equality and Jeffersonian democracy is going to live up to its high ideals, not just on paper, but in practice. And Brother Ezra, to further that point, when you talk about equality and, and absurd absurdity of it, the fakeness of it, the hypocrisy of it, why can't if the NBA, the NFL, and any other sports that have majority African Americans that are playing in these sports, why don't you hear the black national anthem being played? Because it goes against everything you just said, the structure that they have set up. They don't want that to be played or sung. They don't want the the, the memory of what they have done to seep into the minds of our young people. Mm-hmm. I, I, and the question I want to ask you, when you talk about, earlier I brought up uh, think, think tanks, what level, what should be the basis of intelligence for anybody coming into it, uh, uh, coming into something like this, what 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 sort of base, sort of knowledge does someone need to be able to to, to engage in a tank t- in, a, in something of that sort? Well, like I said, primarily the end use of the intellect has to be aimed towards solving problems. The way you solve the problem is that you have, like Carter G. Woodson said in Miseducation of the Negro. You have to examine the world and approach things based on the way the world is, not the way you want it to be, not the ideal that you think it is, but the way that it is. And to me, when you start off start off with the notion that Jeffersonian democracy is a paradigm, I take issue with that. I take issue with that. Maybe the ideals itself can be shaped into paradigms, but the practice of it is not a paradigm. And there's always this resistance and this claim of being anti-American or being racist or being too black when you challenge the fundamentals of the things that make Jeffersonian democracy flawed. And so the, the basis of solving black problems must revert to the beginning where the problems began. And people don't want to do that. They want to look at racism and gun issues and the prison like prison uh, mass incarceration like it's something that happened since the 50s or the 60s. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. And the, the real issue is that to really deal with the core of black issues, it makes white America have to look in the mirror in the mirror and see a reflection that they despise and they feel as though black people are chastising them publicly and politically and that's not the way of the social order so you know we have to accept the Star Spangled Banner despite everything we know about uh, Francis Scott Key you have to accept that and when group A can do that to group B, I argue that there's no such thing as equality. And that foments more racism than resolve it. And you could get into the Confederate flag versus the U.S. flag. Uh, Francis Scott Key, he wasn't talking about the Confederate flag. The, the Confederate flag didn't exist then. It's the U.S. flag that exists today that flew over slavery far longer than the Confederate flag. The Confederate flag 
only was in existence for, for four or five years. And so it's easy to gang up on the Confederate flag to make it appear as though that's the problem. But it it is the the consequences of things that occurred underneath the current U.S. flag. Those are the things that need to be addressed if you're going to address ra racism in earnest. So, Brother Ezra, um, Elliot, are you going to a break? Well, yeah, let's 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 take a brief break. And when we come back, uh, continue the question and then the callers can get involved at 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. We'll be right back. are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. If you're tired of accepting the lesser of two evils, if enough is enough, then join the one million conscious and conscientious black contributors and voters at their first national convention at the Impact Center in Atlanta, Georgia, on October 21st through 23rd, 2016. The One Million is calling all like-minded brothers and sisters to participate in a three-day conference to create strategies to move our people forward. Vendor space is available, plus there will be a special tribute to Professor James Klingman. For details and to register, go to IamOneOfTheMillion.com. That's IamOneOfTheMillion.com. Let's be the change we seek to rebuild the village. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. In 1974, TV was free. The average home telephone bill, $20 per month. A brand new automobile, $4,000. Today, an average family spends that amount on cell phones and pay TV per year. The black community spends over $25 billion per year on pay TV, while the community suffers financially. The choice is yours, pay TV or community debt free. Join the economic revolution. Go to VentureGroupCapital.Solutions or call 844-GROUP-VENTURE. 
before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. During the 60s and 70s, if you misbehaved as a child, you got a spanking. Today, parents receive discipline for disciplining their children. The state wants to raise our children and provide meals, lodging, and employment through the state prison system. It's time to take back our community, reconnect the family, and through cooperative economics, redirect billions of dollars back into the community. Go to VentureGroupCapital.Solutions. That's VentureGroupCapital.Solutions. Or call 844-GROUP-VENTURE. Antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening. Sundays, 7 p.m., with your hosts, Elliot and Reggie. Contribute, say something. You want me to say something? Fine, I'll say something. You, you people, you're not a race. You are a virus. You destroy the world. Everything beautiful, you poison. You drag us from our homes, you rape our daughters, murder our sons. You crack our spines and do all you can to break our will. You stab us. Then you put the knife in our hand and tell us it's our fault. And if you don't do it yourself, you stand by, close your eyes, and pretend there's nothing wrong. And then you pray to your God to silence our screams so that you can enjoy the happiness that we built for you with our blood. But it's not your fault. It's the only way you know how to be. And the only thing that will change anything is if another virus comes along and does to you what you do to us. And I hope that happens very soon. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And let's, uh, let's get back, finish Brother Ridge. Uh, the comments, brother, brother, brother Reg, and then we'll go to the phones. Brother Reg. Yeah, brother, brother Ezra, I wanted to go through a little short exercise with you mm-hmm. based on what you were talking about as far as intellectually looking at the fundamentals mm-hmm. of things and trying to become, uh, derive some solutions that way. Um, capitalism. Mm-hmm. When we look at capitalism and sovereignty and freedom in relationship to our people, I look at capitalism as something that we could benefit, but it can't help us in the long run the way it's structured because the way it was structured, the way we see it now, has something to do with Europeans or white folks mastering capitalism on the black of our ancestors. The system could never work for us 
in totality to get us out of our problem. I just want you to uh, elaborate on that. And I got two other, mm-hmm. two other words. Right. Uh, a Ghanaian group just recently invested in a bank in Chicago to bail the bank out. Africa has the potential and the framework within itself to develop new systems, new economies, new commercial forms of trade based on uh, systems that they can self-create. That's in great part internationally where power for Africans in America reside. At the same time, black people here, you know, we have capital and access to capital. But to what end is the capital being invested? And so when you look at, again, you, you take the, 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 the source of the problem, you examine the source of the problem, we see that there's always been a cozy relationship between the corporations of the time and black labor, and that those corporations always relied on black labor in order to gain profits. And so it's, it's no different today. At the same time, you know, how do you channel capital? How do you channel labor where the end use, once again, benefits black people? That's the great challenge. It's, it's not something that cannot be undone. The issue, again, lies in the degree to which we apply the end use of our intellect. But Africa, I would argue, is a part of the corrective process that has to be considered. The next, there's two words I'm going to use on this one. Uh, Politics and voting. Politics Mm -hmm. for black folks in this country historically always has, it's been synonymous with freedom because we're always fighting for some sort of right Mm -hmm. we're engaging in this political process. Mm -hmm. I want your, I just want your thoughts about it. If we're going to break, break this thing down Mm -hmm. fundamentally voting and politics Mm -hmm. in relationship to having a, uh, a discussion about sovereignty and can voting and politics, the way it's aligned now, can that in the long run get us where we want? I, I fundamentally think the system is broken. White folks that are in it, they know it's broken. I know it's a tool that we can utilize to get some sort of concessions, but I just want your thoughts on that, bro, my brother. Mm. Well, and I address this in Sovereign Evolution, that voting in and of itself is not power. People often say, oh, you got to vote. That's expressing power. No, voting in and of itself as an act is not power. Voting is power when you have a numerical percentage of a constituency that can either win or compete in elections. We see, we see it in the three-fifth clause that there was a compromise. Every five Africans counted as three people in order that the South could have a greater numerical percentage of the voting structure. And that's how that came about. The, the Missouri Compromise. 
reflects the same thing. Maine became a free state. Missouri became a slave state so that the North and the South could be balanced 12-12 and have equal amount of senators. So history shows us that the act of voting itself is not where the real power is. It's that numerical percentage. And so that's what's really important. And locally, voting is, is, is super important because like in Ferguson, when everybody found out, oh, look at the way the city is structured and black people are not participating politically. So that has to happen. You know, I w again, when you deal with Jeffersonian democracy, I would wave my hand as folly for the electoral college and for people with suits and ties on to get on camera and talk about how great this country is. And ultimately, it's not about the popular vote, but some electoral college, it's folly. It's, Jeff it's part of this aspect of Jeffersonian democracy that needs to be deconstructed. And my final a brief statement I want to make, and I want, I want to get your feedback. Um, we're bleeding out as a people. We have many band-aids. We're wrapped up like a mummy, but we're still bleeding out. And we still, day in and day out, you want to have a discussion with people who choose not to understand our point of view, can't understand our point of view, or just don't play and don't give a damn. It's part of this sovereign evolution of the mind and taking actions. When we plan, do we need to keep having these discussions with folks that don't want to understand our pain, our issues and our problems. Is, is, that a, is that an impediment in 2016 moving forward? Because I know that the power structure locally in cities and towns or state or even nationally, when they get ready to roll out a plan, we're not at the table when they're rolling out their plan of what they want a state or a city or municipality Look what they think, what they wanted to look like, and what they wanted to have ten or fifteen years from now. They really had their plan, and they're not coming to the black community or black folks to talk about <laughs> mm -hmm. what is it that they plan. They really have it planned. They just seeing whether or not we're going to be with it or not at that time, or, or, or what issues we're going to have with it at that time. But they still got their plan together, and we weren't at the table. Do we need to stop that behavior? I'll quote Frederick Douglass to that, who said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, that if you find out uh, what a people will quietly submit to, you've found an exact measure of the injustices that will be imposed upon them. And that's going to continue until uh, people resist uh, either with words or with blows. That's paraphrasing Frederick Douglass. Uh, there's a quote from Thomas Paine, one of the other founders, who says that a long habit of not thinking a thing wrong gives it the superficial appearance of being right. And he's referring to Euro-Americans 
not being aware of the things that the British were superimposing simply because they become conditioned by time to accept certain things. And that's what I would argue is the essence of what we see with uh, African people here in America. It's been a long habit of not thinking a thing wrong enough to correct. And time, as uh, uh, Payne argued, is more makes more people converted than what is right makes people converted. You know, so just because something has been going on for a long length of time doesn't mean that it's right. And these are things with Jeffersonian democracy that need to be changed, things that need to be corrected, things that need to be challenged. Rather, the 13th Amendment, living, breathing example of it. People say, oh, the 13th Amendment uh, is what freed African people. Again, I wave my hand in folly. They should, America should be ashamed of itself for having 43 words as an amendment to end what was centuries of slavery. How do you have 43, that's the amendment, how do you have 43 words to resolve what happened to African people? It's folly. And I'll intellectually, academically challenge anybody to explain to me how you can say that that is principled. And why is it that in 2016, we as black people would accept, accept that? as some form of settlement for the past and the document to move us into the future, where you say that slavery can exist as a punishment for a crime, in 43 Kirk words. So, Brother uh, uh, Reggie, that's what I would say needs to happen, that, you know, the changes need to occur first with us in understanding and defining what the real problems are. We're joining the conversation this evening with author, scholar of sovereign studies, and adjunct associate professor of political science at Dell State University, Ezra Alaron. The book, The Sovereign Psyche, Chattel Freedom versus Authentic Freedom. Let's go to the phones. 602 area code. What's your name? Where you're calling from? Yes, good brothers. Good evening. Um, this is Marcus calling from Memphis, Tennessee. How are you, Marcus? I'm doing good, brother. Doing good. Oh, I just want to dwell on, on, on what the brother was saying about uh, our relationship to Africa. Mm -hmm. As you know, I'm a Garveyite, you know. And I said 400 years <laughs> is long enough to know. If these white folks wanted to resolve something with black folks, you know, or any human relationship, we could have worked it out in 400 years. So evidently, they have no intention of, 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 of working out anything with us, unless we're on the top and we're on the bottom, right? Now, I, when the brother spoke about um, the bus, when he said that, the, you know, um, metal and stuff like that, because, as you know, the Firestone Corporation, uh, that that was the company that, that when Garvey, when the when the Liberian government um, um, reneged on Garvey, they gave Firestone Corporation that lease for ninety nine years for a rubber plantation. See, so all that rubber that comes from uh, Africa, you know, uh, King Leopold over there, what he did in Belgium, cutting off people's hands for that rubber. Um, um, they, 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 they 
the, all the minerals that make the computer comes out of the Congo. <laughs> so if we reclaim our legacy and our wealth, because, I mean, if Africa is the richest continent on the planet and we are the poorest people, we're doing something wrong as a people. We, you know, our, our head is screwed up. That's why the brother talk about sovereign psyche. The, the mind of black people is messed up. So, again, I want to push back to Marcus Garvey again. And what do you think, what do the professor think about Garvey's plan? Because we have, as you said, we have capital here, access to capital as black folks. We have capital, uh, access to technology. The land of Africa is rich in wealth and the labor resources. So what, what is preventing us now from marrying those two, from us having a, a marriage and moving up? And I'll hang up and hear uh, what the professor has to say in reference to Marcus Garvey's plan. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you, as always, for your comments, brother. All right. Uh, he could, he concisely made the points and the arguments for his question. <laughs> so I would have little to add other than to say that uh, Garvey, being one of the greatest minds of the 20th century, is an individual who we need to make his ideals become more alive and more relevant. Fundamentally, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with what Garvey was promoting from a nationalistic standpoint. Uh, that fervor of nationalism during the uh, early 20th century was taking root all over the world. Mm -hmm. And Garvey, his work was incredible. Here you have a person come from Jamaica with little resources and within less than a decade, he has millions of followers. Can, can at a drop of a dime have thousands of people gathered just to hear him speak. He wasn't dribbling a basketball, he wasn't singing, he wasn't dancing, and he had millions of people hanging to every word that he said. And if you ask young people today about Marcus Garvey, maybe they can have a conversation the length of a paragraph. That's our fault. That's our fault that they don't understand and know the relevance of, of, of Marcus Garvey. Single-handedly, in many ways, rose to this height where he was trying to move black people up in the pecking order of power in the world. And today, in textbooks, he's a footnote. How could that be? How could that be? He, we should look at him as a 20th century version of what high ideals of freedom should entail as opposed to understanding and studying and people worshiping Jeffersonian democracy in, like I said, in many ways you could just cite the floor, floor after floor after floor after floor that's based on a racial design that Jefferson and the other founders uh, established in order to in that pecking order to keep black people far less than what they would describe and what they defined as being equal. And we all know that that's true. You can't argue otherwise. Let's go to 404 area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? My name is Ramon Westbrooks, and um, I am a state rep for I Am One of the Million. 
How you doing, Brother Elliot? How are you, sir? Pretty good. How you doing, Brother Reggie? Doing good, my brother. Hey, um, great topic and conversation, you guys. And I understand um, that you guys were um, talking about our need as a people to utilize think tanks. And I think at this apparent time in this country, we are desperately in need of more than one. Um, you know, it's just like anything else. When you go into battle, you don't go into battle by yourself. And for us to be able to amass people um, of various um, walks of life in regards to uh, our nationality, to galvanize them, i.e. Uh, try to organize them, as Garvey did as the gentleman so eloquently just spoke of, is that our need for think tanks today is something that should not be a footnote. It should be something that we, as these people have utilized to plan 20 years, 30 years, 40 years ahead um, in regards to the things that we face as a diaspora in this country and for the elevation of our own. There's no need to apologize to be a nationalist in regards to self-sufficiency. When you look at the things that our people amassed and, and, and organized and became in the regards of a Rosewood, a Greenwood, or Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, these things today seem more of a challenge because now that we have sort of got a piece of the American pie, it doesn't seem like anybody's hungry anymore. But when you look at the short generational span from the so-called uh, ancestors coming out of enslavement, for them to amass the greatness that they did in towns such as those that I just spoke of, to me, the challenges of today are very, very slim to none to get the mindset of our people back to that train of thought because they're not, they don't feel like they're under the boot or the heel of this oppression now that you're able to, i.e., maybe get the job or get the house or get the car and not knowing that you're still being gentrified and redlined. At the end of the day, brothers, I, you know, the think tanks are solely something for us that we need to bring our, our younger millennials into thinking that they will not think of Marcus Garvey as a footnote. I have to have him as a footnote because, as you all know, the reason why Garvey is not in the forefront of the, uh, the knowledge of our youth of today is because those like Martin Luther King and, and, and nothing to take away from him, the people who run this society and pull the puppet strings, they're, they're going to give you the passive Martin, but they're not going to give you the militant or the radical Martin just as well they wouldn't give you a Garvey, a person who said that we didn't need to integrate at that particular time. We needed to think for ourselves, for ourselves, and do for ourselves. So when you have the mindset of individuals like that who can galvanize and organize and not ask some crumbs from someone's table but create their own table to be able to hand out bread baskets to the world, these are the challenges that we're up against. And, I, and you know, um, for myself being in one of the million. We have um, discussed, I'm a Fika Gyorka and um, Jim Kleeman, we have discussed the fact of the matter of, of uh, putting together in the mass and the think tank because it's, it's relevant and it's prevalent at this particular time. And I just wanted to call in and uh, speak to that. And I thank you guys for having a great show this evening. Brother, thanks for your participation, man. Call again. For sure. He said his think tank is one in a million. Uh, the, the movement that... Uh... Uh, that he's involved with is I am oh. one of the million dot com, and that's a uh, economic and political uh, movement. Um, I've okay. shared some information with you, and if I haven't, uh, I'll send you some information, brother, because I okay. want you to really take a look at it. Thank you, uh, brother Ezra. Um, 
you know, you talked about as a part of our solution, because we like to talk about solutions. We had a brother that called up last week from Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not from Brooklyn. Uh, what was that? From Rochester, New York, I think, Reg, that talked about the need for solutions. And you talked about Africa, the continent of Africa being part of our solution. I want to preface my comments or questions this way. Um, Reg talked about it earlier, and I, the caller mentioned it, Marcus from Tennessee, about uh, the majority population here in this country don't want to or are unwilling to talk about certain things. We've mm-hmm. had, John Conyers has had a, a reparations bill on the table for almost 30 years, if I'm not mistaken. And that's not a reparations bill. That's to uh, to formulate a study right. to see whether reparations is sufficient. They mm-hmm. don't even want to formulate a study. Mm-hmm. So that leads our people to look at black misleadership class as a beacon to lead our people out of these situations. And it's not getting any light. Uh, mm-hmm. You had a black president that came fourth and won the presidency in 2008 said he was not interested in reparations at all we see now with the formulation of some of the ideas the ideals you talked about the formulation of of uh of think tanks that we know that reparations is 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 a necessity to our people for what has been done to right wrongs but i think it's time for our people to really start implementing our own forms of reparations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not saying that we can't talk to these other people and try to get some answers from them, but we really need to be proactive in our solution towards reparations. Now, we've seen that Gaddafi brought up in the African Union about the Africans going to their own standard of currency, which was dangerous to Europeans and their their economies and mindsets so we see what happened to him after these things were brought up for conversation i think it's necessary now as a man that have traveled back and forth to the continent in different countries you see the ways that we can change and help and the ways that africans can change and help now i'll just throw out a couple of things and to start the conversation i think that on the continent's end, they can help this situation by establishing more stable governments and also getting rid of the neo-colonial mindset, just like we need to work on our mindset here. I think our, the people on the continent really need to work on their mindset and getting away from Europeans. A lot of the countries have physically got away from Europeans, but they haven't got away from a European mindset because you see all the foolishness going on in certain African countries. Mm-hmm. Now, in your opinion, what do we need to do here? And you can add some more to the continent what they need to do. In your opinion, a man that have traveled, written on this subject, what do both of us need to do to start bringing this thing closer together? Okay. Well, one of the things that you can look at with the European model of freedom is that freedom is always associated with power and development. Europeans, like with Africa, people say, oh, Africa's corrupt and Africa's destabilized. Europeans have not been any less corrupt than 
Africans, if you want to use that term. But one of the things about Europeans is that they've been able to successfully transform their corruption into development. So freedom for them has that association. In Africa, development is something that has been slow in the making. And without development, you're going to stagnate the degree to which you can exercise power. So for both ends, Africans in America as well as in Africa, but Africans in the diaspora, we have to understand that freedom is connected to development. You know, if we can't solve our problems, then we have to question the degree to which we are free. And as I said, freedom it reflects a state of mind. So when we're talking about how do we expand the existing models or how do we create models that are going to satisfy our self-authenticities, you know, that's the great challenge. The, the answer to those things lies in a degree to which we can once again channel that intellect because the, the, the sovereign psyche is based upon intellect and willpower. And unless you have the willpower to stand up and do whatever is necessary to resolve problems or to deal with issues, without that willpower, the intellect is, 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 is going to be impotent because you'll always channel your intellect towards someone else's best interest. And so the big question is, to what degree are we going to amass the willpower without apology to deal with issues for, for, for Africans in America that date back to 1865 with issues that neither time nor legislation has resolved. And so the drip, drip, drip factor where freedom comes in drips and we accept that as a model, that has to change. It has to change because what we see and what, what we have been seeing over the centuries is that certain segments of black populations, those segments have always been expendable. And whatever the consequences are, we have not found the willpower combined with the intellect to address it. And that's what has to change. So the, the benefit of the sovereign psyche is that it allows you to examine things from the standpoint of self-interest. And if it does not support self-interest, then you have to understand that that's an extension of chattel freedom. And as I define chattel freedom, is when you are part of systems and institutions whereby your best interests are always compromised. And so Africa is important in that I'm, I'm, I firmly believe that a lot of what we can do jointly, these things are key to our mutual advancements. And uh, what, whatever model that is, whatever think tanks are established, we have to understand that an extension of our freedom is absolutely tied to Africa. And when you look at the origin of African people here coming from different parts of Africa, never really been an homogenized people, we come through the systems of slavery and segregation and so forth, and we have to understand that 
we have these commonalities, despite the differences that we may have had in the past, we have these commonalities that we share that we have to channel into resolving issues that affect us as African people. And those issues are worldwide. Brother Ezra, can you, how, how's your time? Can you, you got a few more minutes or you? You have some more callers on the line? Yes, it's another caller. Uh, okay, we'll take the caller. Okay, let's go to 785 area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Renee. I'm calling from Kansas. How are you, Renee? I'm fine, thanks. Um, I wanted to um, talk about uh, the reparations. Um, I think black pe- black people in America, we need to stop. Uh, um, associating our, we need to stop talking about how we're Africans because we're not Africans. White people have put that label on us as African Americans because they don't want to give us reparations. They want African countries to give us reparations. So they bring these Eurasian, mestizo looking people over here and classify them as Native Americans, and they're not. We are the original Native Americans. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that a classified set of Native Americans will get us reparations, but that would be a step if we start talking about that instead of always referring ourselves as Africans, because we're not Africans. I mean, would you call people from the Aboriginal people from Australia, would you call them Africans? No, you call them Australians. Why do we call ourselves Africans? Well, I'll let Brother Ezra handle that question, but I'll say, I'll tell you, because uh, we've had, tons of historians on this program the aboriginal people of australia do recognize that their origin is from africa uh, but go ahead brother Ezra. right identity is a, is an issue some people don't want to be called africans but the thing that we have to understand is that as i said we have these commonalities over the centuries that have brought us together so i argue the question in the sovereign psyche are we really a people being that history and politics and the circumstances of time, you know, have molded us into these different groups of people. We are a multiplicity of people. That's what I argue in the book, a multiplicity of people. But we do have commonalities that we can argue constitute us being a people here. I label it Africans in America. If someone says they're Aboriginal to this nation, I don't see that as a conflict. Sure, fine. But the commonalities we share, that's what's important. Uh, yeah, true. I understand. I just want to say this real quick, and then I'll get off. Okay. But, but by us calling ourselves Africans, then this government is, is, is trying to say that, well, you should be trying to get reparations from Africa because they sold you people into slavery, which we know is a lie. But by mm-hmm. continues to call ourselves continuously calling ourselves Africans, that's what it boils down to. Right. I mean, and I would I would say I would say that Europeans would is re, will be resistant with reparations anyway, because slavery wasn't something by happenstance. It was deliberate. And so for them to turn around and pay reparations for in their mind there's nothing to repair. There's an argument that slavery was a good thing, that civilized, otherwise pagan and savage Africans. So to me, there's no intent of this government to ever repair anything. So my 
real position with reparations is that, sure, we have equity in this country that no one can ever deny. How that equity is recognized is another story. But the notion that the U.S. government is going to, at some point, repair something, uh, I'm of the belief that we need to pursue some power and, and make our realities our realities. And whatever happens, you know, in the process, fine. But by changing the name to Native Americans or Aboriginal Americans and then say, well, now the onus is on the U.S. government, uh, I, I see them being resistant either way. But I do understand your argument. Thank you for your call, sister, and call again. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, thank you. Ezra, take one more before you go. Take, uh, let's yes, go, go ahead. Let's There's go a call. I'll take it. 585 area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Howard Eagle calling from uh, Rochester, New York. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm good, and you? Great. I just want to compliment the professor on the clarity of his, uh, argue, uh, not arguments, statements, his uh, um, enlightenment. I wanted to, to, to mention something about the point that's, that's um, I think the professor himself raised about Marcus Garvey being a footnote uh, in our history, especially where our youth are concerned, and that it's our fault that they don't know, uh, you know who Marcus Garvey and so many others of our great uh, forefathers and foremothers uh, were, are. Um, and and uh, the professor said, we, that's our fault. We need to teach them. I assume, I don't know, that he means in terms of education even um, beyond the school walls, you know, at yes. home and so forth. Rec- yes. Recognizing, though, that many of our people are not equipped to do that education because we've been mis- miseducated also. But, I mean, and I agree, it's our fault ultimately. There's no excuse. But what I wanted to ask about is, is, is in your view, it's our, is it our fault in a number of ways? Not only that we don't do it at home, those of us who are, who you know can do it, and, and I, I understand that all of us potentially can because we can learn it even if we don't know it. Um, but there's this kind of ongoing argument in our community about well, we can't expect the schools to do it because those are their schools, and they're not going to teach us. But they're not their schools; they're our schools; they're public schools. So my thinking is that we must, as part of organizing ourselves, we must organize ourselves and demand that the public education system, the institution of education, stop miseducating our children. Um, and 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 uh, you know, I'm just wondering what you what you think about that. I, I mean, I know this this is argument. We need our own schools, and ultimately, I believe that we need our own independent institutions. That will be part of where the power that you are talking about will flow from. But at the same time, as you said, uh, Dr. Wilson talked about us living in the world that exists as opposed to the one that we want to exist. We know that's a long-range proposition, developing our own independent institutions, educational institutions, as well as institutions in general. So what is your, what is your thinking? I, I'm convinced we need a movement yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right, because... And, well, in in my in my work, I always cite the distinctions that either you're dealing with the systemic flaws of, of Americanization or the human failings of people. And the human failings of people inc- include us as black people. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
in America. So we have to realize and understand and through the sovereign psyche identify what, what are our human failings. Because if we expect Europeans to somehow validate who we are and to begin to tell our story as sovereign groups of people who at one point in time operated kingdoms and empires uh, based on our own self-authenticities, if we expect that to happen, it's not. It's not going to happen. And so the effort, as I said, to, to change that, you know, and I'm saying it's our fault, you know, where are, again, our institutions that protect mm -hmm. the sanctity of the things in our history that are most meaningful? Where, where are they? Did we say now, oh, black history is American history, so there's no need to have black history. You don't need historical black colleges and universities. What's the relevance of it? I always teach my students, black history is not American history. It's world history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All history past, is world history. Right, past and present. Yeah. And I cite jazz as an example of the great potential, the dormant potential mm -hmm. that verifies what I'm saying. Nobody mm -hmm. went to Juilliard. Mm -hmm. Jazz came out of the loins and the souls of black people. Yes, and it was part of that unique self-authentic signature that's in who we are. Mm -hmm. And Malcolm, when he inaugurated the uh, OAAU, mm -hmm. he cited jazz as an example of what the possibilities were, that we could mm -hmm. create social systems that no one else created political systems that no one else created, that it's within us. Mm -hmm. In 1919, uh, the New York Times printed an article about Einstein, and you know what the title was? Mm -hmm. Jazz comes to mm -hmm. physics. Mm -hmm. They were relating Einstein's theories to the uniqueness of jazz. Mm -hmm. That it's something that it never been uh, 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 brought, rolled out before in its design. So we, we have mm -hmm. it within us. It's world, you know, we, we are world people. Mm -hmm. You know, it, Dizzy yes, Gillespie, uh, 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 Louis Armstrong, uh, you know, influence all over the world. And today yes. it's, it's the same thing. Wherever you go, whatever corner of the world you go to, whether it's Mongolia or Estonia or Venezuela, Chile, People know black people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't know nobody from Chile. We don't know nobody from Estonia. But they know mm -hmm. who we are. Yes, Our history is world history. We have something unique that belongs to the souls of black people. Mm -hmm. And America is blessed that this is time for an awakening. America is blessed that we still not really awaken to that reality, because that is the source of our real power. Mm -hmm. And so I agree with what you said. Now it's about mm -hmm. channeling this potential that we have. Brother, thank you That's for right. your agreement. Let me just try to last this back. I want to make sure that we're in agreement on this. That I, What I'm saying is there's some latent, uh, if you will, 
power that's at our fingertips that we're not exercising now in terms of, and I'm thinking about urban education institutions, K-12 institutions in particular, because they're blacker than ever, nor hardly anybody's left there except our children. So we can control those institutions to at least to some degree and extent even now. And there's nothing stopping us except us. And, 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 and certainly I understand that the oppressor will never teach us our history, our proper history, and, and so forth and so forth. But my point is we can't allow that oppressor to continue to grossly miseducate our young people right. and pay for it and help pay for their mis- miseducation. Right. Well, thank you for your and, call, man. Right. And that's, yes, that's, an yes. example, that's an example of chattel freedom. When you don't control the essence of what belongs to you or the essence of what you need to control. But yet you are still technically free. Soldiers are not outside your door with, with, with arms following you around to make you do things. You know, it's an example in the book of what I call tyranny by opinion and tyranny by legislation. And, you know, I, I have to add something. I just heard what I call her. The caller just stated, and I'm hearing you, brother Ezra. And I don't have I don't have any problems with anything that you're any any of you guys are saying. Just stated, but until black fathers have the enthusiasm that they have in watching an NBA game or football, <laughs> and make sure that their sons and daughters know how to do arithmetic and read, especially these men, they know how to read and they know how to add. Until they have that enthusiasm, right. then we're still talking. Until these women have still the same enthusiasm to go to a parent-teacher's conference, the same enthusiasm they show when they're watching Empire, Power, and the Housewives of Atlanta, and any other city that they watch, until we have that enthusiasm, we still have a problem. That's, that's what I want to put out there. Absolutely. Really, Absolutely. Really, like, you know, it... In closing, you know, Magic Johnson, when he played, he made passing cool, you know, how to pass the ball. He made it cool, you know. People didn't realize how cool a pass could be, you know. So as we were coming up, you know, we, you know, play ball like Magic, you know, you throw the cool pass. The same thing with intellect. You know, we have to make deep thought cool again and make the realities of what can come out of deep thought cool again. You know, we, we need a Timbuktu-like revolution to where we understand that what we know brings about the power that we need. And the way we exercise our intellect is what is key to bringing about that type of power. And that's what changes realities. You know, not this stale thinking and everybody's like a cookie cutter uh, uh, speaker that like to use big words that rhyme and everybody applauds. And then when you leave, you have no sense of mission of what to do because the model is still have left. The model still has left Jeffersonian democracy unchallenged at its core. (laughs) Well, there's a, I'm, I listen. I appreciate you staying a little overtime with us. Always enjoys these uh, enjoy these conversations. 
give Thank out you, give out any information you want to give out to our listening audience, and I'll be looking forward to the next time you're on with us. Yeah, thank you. Well, listeners can go to my site, uh, www.ezraspeaks. That's Ezra with an H, E-Z-R-A-H, Ezra Speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S. You can read my books and articles and uh, order the book, uh, or you can contact me at info at ezraspeaks.com. And that's uh, Ezra with an H, E-Z-R-A-H, Speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S. Brother Ezra, I'm going to forward you that information I promised you in reference to the uh, 1 million uh, conscious black voters and contributors. And I'll be talking with you soon, brother. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Hope the audience gained a little clarity. We'll be talking soon. All right. Thank you. We'll be right back, and uh, we'll go into open forum. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. If you're tired of accepting the lesser of two evils, if enough is enough, then join the one million conscious and conscientious black contributors and voters at their first national convention at the Impact Center in Atlanta, Georgia, on October 21st through 23rd, 2016. The One Million is calling all like-minded brothers and sisters to participate in a three-day conference to create strategies to move our people forward. Vendor space is available, plus there will be a special tribute to Professor James Klingman. For details and to register, go to IamOneOfTheMillion.com. That's IamOneOfTheMillion.com. Let's be the change we seek to rebuild the village. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. In 1974, TV was free. The average home telephone bill, $20 per month. A brand new automobile, $4,000. 
Today, an average family spends that amount on cell phones and pay TV per year. The black community spends over $25 billion per year on pay TV, while the community suffers financially. The choice is yours, pay TV or community debt-free. Join the economic revolution. Go to VentureGroupCapital.Solutions or call 844-GROUP-VENTURE. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. During the 60s and 70s, if you misbehaved as a child, you got a spanking. Today, parents receive discipline for disciplining their children. The state wants to raise our children and provide meals, lodging, and employment through the state prison system. It's time to take back our community, reconnect the family, and through cooperative economics, redirect billions of dollars back into the community. Go to VentureGroupCapital.Solutions. That's VentureGroupCapital.Solutions. Or call 844-GROUP-VENTURE. Antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening. Sundays, 7 p.m., with your hosts, Elliot and Reggie. Eleven years ago this week, Hurricane Katrina flooded 80% of New Orleans, killing at least 1,200 people, although no one will ever know the actual death toll because most of the victims were black and poor and therefore were never considered important enough to count. What was important to the rulers of this country in the aftermath of Katrina was making sure that as many as possible of the displaced black residents would not be allowed to return to the city. Before the waters had fully subsided, corporate planners were exulting in the opportunity to build a new New Orleans, a much whiter and richer metropolis. Katrina had ethnically cleansed the city, permanently exiling 100,000 blacks, and the lords of capital could not contain their jubilation. What blacks experienced as catastrophe was celebrated as a renaissance. Katrina was a godsend for disaster capitalism and provided a model for capitalists to create future disasters for black people. President Obama's Secretary of Education, Arne Duncan, said Katrina was the best thing that happened to the education system in New Orleans because it allowed school privatizers to fire all of the city's teachers, 71% of them black, and turn most of the schools into charters. Instead of firing Duncan for his outrageously callous and deeply racist remarks, President Obama joined in praising the so-called recovery of a city that had shed about a third of its black population and was on the way to becoming the nation's first all-charter school system. Over the next several years, Obama's Race to the Top program would coerce states to create a market for charter schools or face the loss of federal education funds. Katrina paved the way to a catastrophe for public education nationwide. During the last weeks of the summer of 2005, when the magnitude of the disaster became apparent, it seemed that almost every black community organization responded with some kind of Katrina support program. 
But there was no political response from the Congressional Black Caucus in Washington. The Democratic Party hoped to regain control of the House of Representatives in the 2006 elections, and Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi didn't want the party to appear too pro-black. She ordered her members to boycott the Republicans' hearings on Katrina, and Democrats held no hearings of their own. In the face of what was then the greatest black catastrophe of the 21st century, the Congressional Black Caucus allowed itself to be muzzled. The black political class's abject failure to respond to Katrina guaranteed that there would be more catastrophes for black folks. The Lords of Capital realized that if they could get away with massive ethnic cleansing in New Orleans while the whole world was watching, they could ratchet up the speed of gentrification and black removal all across the country. Soon, half of the black citizens of Michigan were disenfranchised by an emergency financial manager regime that took over all of the state's heavily black cities. The New Orleans model has gone national because the rulers of this country know that they don't need a storm to drive black folks from the cities and that there will be no resistance from a selfish, useless black misleadership class. For Black Agenda Radio, I'm Glenn Ford. On the web, go to blackagendareport.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. I want to thank author, scholar of sovereign studies and adjunct associate professor of political science at Dell State University, Brother Ezra Alarone, for being with us this evening. The book, The Sovereign Psyche, Chattel Freedom versus Self-Authentic Freedom, go to his site, uh, and it's available at other, uh, I think, Amazon and other places where you can purchase the book, purchase all three. Very interesting uh, uh, ideals that he proposes, and they can be utilized by all of our people to help us with solutions to move forward. Uh, we're being uh, open forum the rest of the way. We do have a call on hold. Before I go to the call on hold, Brother Reg, I want to. Uh, Brother Reg? Yeah, I want to share something with the callers to get their opinion on it. And before I do share that, I, I want to preface it by saying something because some. Sometimes some of our callers get things a little twisted. Um, and I'm going to echo the words of Brother Malcolm when he states that uh, this is American democracy and Amer American democracy is nothing but hypocrisy. So saying that, I want to share this clip. Uh, if I can find it. Um, wow. And it was uh, stated, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago by um, Donald Trump. I want to play it for our listening audience. And it don't matter whether it was Donald Trump or Mickey Mouse. I just want to listen to what the clown stated and see whether we got a problem with what he stated and what we're going to do about it. I think it touches on what Brother Ezra has been talking about this evening, what he talked about two weeks ago, and what other guests that have been on our program have talked about in the past. But let me uh, let me play this for our listening audience, and then I'll go to the, uh, the call. No group in America 
has been more harmed by Hillary Clinton's policies than African Americans. No group. No group. If Hillary Clinton's goal was to inflict pain on the African American community, she could not have done a better job. It's a disgrace. Tonight, I'm asking for the vote of every single African-American citizen in this country who wants to see a better future. Look how much African-American communities have suffered under democratic control. To those I say the following, what do you have to lose by trying something new like Trump. What do you have to lose? I say it again. What do you have to lose? Look, what do you have to lose? You're living in poverty. Your schools are no good. You have no jobs. 58% of your youth is unemployed. What the hell do you have to lose? Now, before I go to the phones, I want to say something on that because he stated under Hillary Clinton. <clears throat> I just want to change that. Under American democracy, since we've been here, we've been suffering. doesn't matter if it was under Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, uh, Bush, Reagan, Carter, any of those clowns, Obama. Our people have been suffering the same things, unemployment. Uh, our children can't find jobs, neither can the adults. So those problems that he's citing, that's a problem that we've suffered under American democracy. The thing is, what are we going to do about it? Now, it's been solutions offered on the programs by other guests. We promote another solution, uh, one million conscious black contributors and voters. There are solutions out there and things that we can implement. But what the clown was stating, and like I said, it don't matter whether it was that clown stating it or Mickey Mouse, what he stated was absolutely right. And the thing is, it's not about Hillary Clinton. It's about what we've suffered under this American democracy. Let me let me go to the call, and I'll get Brother Ridge's opinion on that. 646 area code, what's your name? What are you calling from? And turn your volume down, 646. Hey, what's happening, brothers? How y'all doing this yeah, hey, during the day? Hey, Brother Jay. Jay, can you, are you on a hands-free? Yeah, but I, is it better now? Yeah, because you'll get, it, it, it's a huge echo, and your voice is muffled when you're on that hands-free. Okay. Now, first of all, before I say anything, Brother Reggie, I don't know why you're talking about football because your Philadelphia Eagles won the day with a rookie. So you know all of y'all Negroes in Philly are extremely happy. Yeah, okay. So you basically hey, hey, shouldn't open up your mouth about football at all and bask in your glory because it will be a painful season for y'all Negroes. So be happy, Reggie. Stop hey, being a hater. I was in a meeting when the game was on, just to let you know. And I got, I have three witnesses to that fact. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, I know what's going I know what's going on. I mean, what you call them, the Giants cost me a couple of hundred today. So whatever, no big thing. But listen, as far as, you know, what the psychopath, as my boy, Brother James, says from Chicago, dump Trump or whatever, the names that he calls him. In reality, what he said is basically right. And, 
you know, what you said, Brother Elliot, is also even more right. What are we going to do about it? Because, you know, in all honesty, Reggie and Brother Elliot, I don't even know what the solution is because, you know, we have people like the sister who called up earlier and, you know, can't even define herself as an African. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, not, not to hate on her or anything like that, but we can't even come together in cultural agreement on how we define ourselves. Well, it's that. like I always say to people, Barack Obama is not an authentic African that's from America. His mother is a Neanderthal, and his father came from Africa to America to get an education and to get us some white women. The bottom line is, his experience is not the same as our parents' experience is. He was never raised and developed as an authentic African that has come through the slavery experience. Everybody hasn't done that just based on the simple fact that, you know, cracks like his daddy came here and black women came here also and had babies with black men. You understand who I would consider to be more authentic if we're really talking about genealogy on that scene. And it's totally different when you having a baby with a Neanderthal. You're not authentic. And I think that's something where we should address and we should start with. Now, I just don't I just don't know what are we gonna do as a people to get on one page and one accord to even deal with what's about to happen because listen, this thing is about to get worse. It, this is not gonna get better. Well, Jay, I think situation is gonna force our people and I'm not talking about all of our people. A a a, a core segment because anything that has happened in this country, whether us moving from the bonds of enslavement to a, a, a semi-free status. And when I say semi-free, able to walk around without bonds, those things only happened by a core group of people. Most of the right. other people didn't, you know, they was just going with the wind, almost watching a tennis match. Uh, whether you're talking about that civil rights era, those things happened by a core group of people that helped move the the group or the populace. It's going to be the same way, I believe. The same way now, moving forward. It's not going to be all black people. It's going to be a core group of people that come together to push issues and matters that's going to change our dynamic. It, it, it's, it's going to be the same thing, in my opinion. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's every black person. But when I hear things like, and I don't want to, uh, to you know, to rain on the sister's ideas. No, not but, at all. You know, listen here, that, that's a problem when I hear those type of things because, you know, Europeans know exactly who you are. They know yeah. that you ain't no damn Native Americans. Yeah. And the Native Americans know that you ain't no Native Americans. Some and of and our, they don't even treat you with dignity. Well, well, wait a minute. Some, most of them. Some of our people need to take some time and look at the, not only those treaties that were signed, because a lot of treaties were signed with the five, uh, what they called civilized tribes. I think it was the Cherokee, the Crete. It was, it was five nations that was considered civilized tribes. And the United States government considered them civilized tribes because they adopted the ways of the Europeans. And one of the major ways that they adopted was slavery. Yes. 
returning slaves that had escaped off plantations or participating in slavery themselves. So, there you go. So see, I, nobody you know, know I, that history. Well, they, they, uh, some of our people that keep on spouting this stuff that 98% of black people that live in this country is Native Americans. Stop with the foolishness. Stop with the madness. Our people came off the continent and was brought here. And before they was brought here, they were brought to the islands in the South America. That slavery existed 100 years before it came here. The English brought, them, brought us here. The Spaniards and all brought them all down in them other countries. That's why you got our people speaking Spanish and want to uphold some damn Spanish and European values when it's somebody else's language. Our people been damaged, man. Our people been damaged. You know this, Jay. Our people's been damaged. But, but see, the thing is this, Elliot, and this is the thing that's so frustrating is that we as a people don't start at the basis of our existence here in this country to educate ourselves. We want to jump ahead to where we supposedly get our AKA freedom through the civil rights movement, which if you ask me is the absolute disaster. I think it did more harm truthfully than it did any good. My thing has always been this personally, I don't want to hear no more about Malcolm X, and I don't want to hear any more about Martin Luther King. The only person I'm willing to listen to and listen about is Marcus Garvey, because Marcus Garvey had a plan that if we followed his plan, maybe we would be in a better position. Malcolm had somewhat of a plan that he was developing, and Martin Luther King had somewhat of a dream and the idea that in all actuality is nothing more than a disaster for African people to this day. Because well, see, Martin Jay, Luther King created people Jay, let me that say support let me say something on that. Let me let me say something on that. Because we see uh, uh Marcus's plan and, and it was derailed by this United States government when they took uh, put him in jail and deported him. We see also that Malcolm had a plan, but it was derailed because he was murdered. Right. We see also that King changed his mindset. It was clear. He was coming closer to a lot of those men. He had met with Elijah Muhammad. He went down to Jamaica and almost changed his whole philosophy. And then when he came back, he was getting close uh, uh, to people that he had kind of distanced himself from in the past. So we didn't even see his metamorphosis or what it could have been because both of those men, those men were murdered. I just want to be a little fair. I just want to throw that in. But go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, clear, on, I'm clear on that. But see, the reality is this, Brother Elliot, and Reggie knows this also, and members in the audience know this. All of those things about Martin Luther King are extremely clear. But what no one never really talks about or even discussed is those AKA Negro Pings who turned their back on Martin Luther King, who put him in the position to be killed. And those same Negroes are the ones who after Martin Luther King died were able to incorporate themselves at the master's table and who have basically benefited to the point to where as they were able to get certain trickets. Now, the thing that happened that nobody has really, really looked at and analyzed, 
and maybe you'll think about it and maybe deal with it at some point in time. All of those Negroes who placed themselves in the position from association with Martin Luther King and were able to integrate in AKA Master's house, their children ain't worth a goddamn because they didn't put themselves in the position to build institutions for black folks. You understand what I'm saying? And in the process, their kids were never placed in a position to continue the legacy. Look at Martin Luther King kids. Look at all of those individuals' kids. Out of 10 of them, if you take 10 of their kids, I wouldn't say three have done anything to progress the movement in regard to AKA civil rights or to make the lives of African people better or to enrich themselves at the master's table, if the truth be told. You see, but nobody wants to look at that and want to analyze that. And in the process, if the white man says tomorrow, I'm sick of y'all Negroes, I'm not hiring y'all Negroes no more, I'm not giving you no government subsidies, I'm not doing anything for y'all Negroes. My question to you, Brother Elliot, is what happens to the Negro? Well, he, listen, he's basically doing that now, but I understand your question, and that's my whole point. we got to do something different. We can't be dependent. Looking at this man, he's not going to do anything for black folks. He can't even take care of his own. I mean, if you think about the way the economy is going, it's going to the point to where as their kids are going to college, getting in $100,000, $200,000 worth of debt, going back home, sleeping in mommy's house, not being able to pay off their debt. I mean, that in the next four years is going to be the cause that's going to collapse the economy in this country because of the simple fact that student loans cannot be paid. And these white folks are getting sick of being not able to live a certain way, not able to have, and then having to go home and live with mommy and daddy because mommy and daddy are sick of them. You don't want your kids to come home and live with you? Well, Brother Jay, you know, it comes down to what, what I talked to Brother Ezra about early in the program. Does capitalism work for our people in the long run? Because that, what you see is going on with student loan, that's based on capitalism. These schools, with the amount of money that's costing, whether it's a state school or a private school, the amount of money that has to be spent for a student to go, go and get an education to learn something to get a job, it's astronomical. It's, it's, to thank somebody for a job, Ricky. Say again? To beg somebody oh, for, job. for yeah. a job, Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. Not to get a job, to beg that's somebody right. for a job. Let's make that clear because that's mm-hmm. never part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. You ain't got you know, no rebuttal for me, my brother, on that. Brother Jay, thanks, man, for your call. As always, brother, it's an honor and privilege to speak to one of the media's greatest two Africans who are always bringing it real. And I look forward to hopefully hearing from my sister Sarah out in Texas and to my brother, Brother James. And do me a favor, Reggie, be yes. nice to Brother James. Oh, I will. Hey, look, Philly will not win four games this year, okay? <laughs> so enjoy, enjoy this game today, please, Reggie. Talk to you soon. Okay, oh, brother. Right, <laughs> Let's go to uh, 773 area code. What's your name? Where you calling from? 
This is Brother X. Oh, no. From the most racist city on earth. (laughs) Brother. Again, it pains me greatly. (laughs) Again, it pains me greatly to call behind a such a positive show and such a positive guest. But since these are the last days in these wildernesses of North America, I must again shout out a warning to the wise and the unwise. Donna Hitler Mussolini Dump is a setup. Think about this. We got the castle law, stand your ground law, concealed carry law, open carry law like you're in tombstone territory, availability of assault weapons, black men, women being shot down, assassinated on camera across the country. Then they give you Donald Hitler dump. What does this mean? They are setting us up for chaos. Now, once the great Marcus Garvey was railroaded, once Garvey was railroaded, the clock to our extermination began to tick. There was no other solution. I don't care what nobody said. You either go back, reclaim Africa for you and the Africans, or you die. Now, today, you either get out of here and go try to save your life or some loved one life, or you're going to die. Now, black people who are close to woods, when this assault starts, if you don't wait too long, if you can make it to the woods, you have a chance for survival in them woods. But when you make it to them woods, there will be no coming back to the house or to the city. There will be no coming back. And when you make it to them woods, do not move in the daytime. They're going to have drones out there. Hey, brother, Remember, brother this, is not, this is not the white boy in the pickup truck coming to exterminate us. These are the people that run the world. They are the ones who have said our time is up. It's not that poor white trash. Hey, Brother X, you heard, yes, sir. You heard our guest talking about uh, our salvation as a people. Uh, uh, and the continent is intertwined and the need for black think tanks to establish uh, how we can do that together because I thoroughly believe that the solution and the salvation for our people is with the continent Um, that's a part of that's a part of the solution and and, I agree with that but, to, but to, when we didn't prove, move with minute, Garvey, to prove, to prove, well, but Garvey's gone now. But we can still implement some of the things he was saying to prove to prove that our solution lies on that continent where our ancestors uh, was there thousands of years before and where we came off of. To prove it unequivocally, this man does everything to block you from having a mindset of dealing with the continent of Africa, whether physically or mentally. He does everything in his power to stop those type of thoughts, and he has been successful. Anybody that comes up and start even mentioning any wranglings about us joining together, a la Gaddafi, when he start mentioning those wranglings, even after he had paid the Lockerbie bombers, uh, normalized relations with the U.S., they open up the embassy in 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 uh, in, in uh, Tripoli or wherever the embassy was. Soon as he start bringing up things about 
uh, African establishing their one economy and reaching out, forming the United States of Africa, he was expendable. So these other countries know where the salvation of black folks lie. That's why China and all these other countries are running all down into the continent. We're the only ones that don't realize it. I we agree, look, brother, but let me, we, let we me close with this. Go ahead. They wasn't as entrenched in, entrenched in Africa when Garvey was alive. That was the time to hit them. I just wish that Garvey had had that movement based in uh, Africa. Now, I know what you said about Mugabe in uh, Zimbabwe, but you take Gaddafi. He put his country on the land, his life, and his family life on the land for Africa. When Gaddafi, when Gaddafi needed help, he got no support. The time for Africa, you might can go there and live your life out if you can get out of here. But the, the time for Africa to, for, to be independent and to be a power to be reckoned with, brother, I think that uh, that door has closed because well, you ain't got nothing but a bunch of sellouts over there in Africa except for maybe Mugabe. And even Mugabe can't get help from the rest of them Uncle Tom. So I well, don't see it, brother. But I can be wrong. I was wrong one time before in my life, back in 66. So <laughs> I, I can be wrong. Brother X. But look, whenever you got a problem, you know this. You got to hit it early, hit it quick, hit it fast. If you don't, it will get out of control. But, brother, thank you for the time. I wish everybody well. And you better think good about what's coming down the pipe because uh, it's going to be vicious. It's going to be the greatest extermination that ever came about. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for your call. We'll be back to wind things down. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. In 1974, TV was free. The average home telephone bill, $20 per month. A brand new automobile, $4,000. Today, an average family spends that amount on cell phones and pay TV per year. 
The black community spends over $25 billion per year on pay TV, while the community suffers financially. The choice is yours, pay TV or community debt free. Join the economic revolution. Go to VentureGroupCapital.Solutions or call 844-GROUP-VENTURE. If you're tired of accepting the lesser of two evils, if enough is enough, then join the 1 million conscious and conscientious black contributors and voters at their first national convention at the Impact Center in Atlanta, Georgia, on October 21st through 23rd, 2016. The 1 million is calling all like-minded brothers and sisters to participate in a three-day conference to create strategies to move our people forward. Vendor space is available, plus there will be a special tribute to Professor James Klingman. For details and to register, go to IamOneOfTheMillion.com. That's IamOneOfTheMillion.com. Let's be the change we seek to rebuild the village. During the 60s and 70s, if you misbehaved as a child, you got a spanking. Today, parents receive discipline for disciplining their children. The state wants to raise our children and provide meals, lodging, and employment through the state prison system. It's time to take back our community, reconnect the family, and through cooperative economics, redirect billions of dollars back into the community. Go to VentureGroupCapital.Solutions. That's VentureGroupCapital.Solutions. Or call 844-GROUP-VENTURE. Antiquity to the present. Our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening. Sundays, 7 p.m. With your hosts, Elliot and Reggie. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And again, I want to thank our guest tonight, Brother Ezra Alaron, author, scholar of Sovereign Studies and Adjunct Associate Professor of Political Science at Dell State University. The book, The Sovereign Psyche, Chattel Freedom versus Self-Authentic Freedom. <laughs> we could see that uh, some of the ideals that Brother Ezra asserts we need them more and more as we move forward. I mean, Brother Edge, some of the, <laughs> uh, some of our folks board it that uh, that send us tweets and messages during the program. I, I don't I don't know what to, we need some help. That's all I got to say. We need help. Before before we close this evening, and I get some final <laughs> words from Brother Edge. I just want to uh, too strong, too real. Celebrating twenty two years of culture natural hair, health, and family. The 22nd annual LOX conference will be held Saturday and Sunday, October 1st and 2nd, 2016, 12 noon to 9.30. Donations is $10 a day at the door. Children under 12 is free. The tradition continues. It's at Universal Orton Reed Charter High School, 3301 Tasker, Philadelphia, PA, the entrance is on the corner of 32nd and, and, uh, and Norris Street. Morris Street, I'm sorry. Again, that's two days, October 1st and 2nd, 2013 of October, 12 noon to 930. Uh, if you need more information on tickets and uh, and uh, vending, things of that nature, uh, give Mama Koso a call at 215-438-8189 or one. 1- Eight 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 three zero five three one eight six. Again, that's two one five four three eight eight one eight nine, or one eight 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 three zero five thirty one eighty six. The twenty second year of the Locks Conference this year will be exciting as ever. 
Hope to see you there. Myself and Brother Reg will be uh, broadcasting live from the LOX conference. So uh, stop over and, uh, and, and give us a holler. We'll put you on the air and you can uh, debate with Brother Reg about issues of the day. <laughs> All right, Brother Reg? I guess you hate saying not doing that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brother. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. When you, <laughs> when you don't hear me say anything back on this side. Um, I ain't pulled the trigger tonight since Brother J and Brother X um, laid out some, some things for me to think about. So some other things going in the background. But like I said, we come on this program to give out information to allow the listeners to have a catharsis and ability to speak their mind, come up with some solutions, and to better ourselves, better our individual selves, better our families, better our neighborhoods. And that's what it's all about when it's said and done. We're not going to always agree on everything. Brother Elliot and I don't agree on everything, but we still work together because when the police are ready to bang you upside your head or shoot you, they don't ask you whether or not I agree with Brother X, I agree with Brother J, or I agree with Brother Elliot. The one thing that we have, whether we're light-skinned, dark-skinned, brown-skinned, they're looking at us, here's a black man that I can't stand, I hate, and bang. Or they'll give you a little, you know, head wound whatever is the flavor of the day, whatever they want to do. So if we're going to get so sensitive on topics that we have a disagreement about and don't want to listen to the program any longer or don't want to work, that's par for the course. That's that's what we've been dealing with. But you best believe white folks that don't like each other, they do joint ventures every day and all day when it comes to preserving what they want the future to look like for their children. For their wives, white women, despite feminism, that when everything goes haywire and not to the thing, they still have their white men to come back to. We better not forget that. We could be sensitive. There's Steve Harvey to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) There's, what's the name? I don't even listen to them. You can name them out. You know them better than me, Elliot. There's a whole lot of Different programs, there's stuff on blog talk, if you want to listen to it. If you're going to get upset just because somebody has a different opinion of yours where you want to say, I I don't want to listen anymore, don't expect anybody to come back and beg you to listen. That's your choice, what you want to do. But we're going to still rock on and do what we have to do. We've been doing it without any donations from anybody. LA and I have been going in our own pocket for years to give and do stuff for the community. This ain't for no pat on the back. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what we have to do. This is what we don't have any choice to do. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always. And we'll be Nelly, you better watch what you're saying, because these people send messages, and I got to deal with your stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back next week, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on
watching your children playing after school. They seem to be so unaware. Oh, I know, I know. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.